Welcome back, my darling pop culture junkies. This is Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Hi guys, I'm a little frenetic, I'm not gonna lie. It's a bit nuts. I by the time you hear this, I will have just touched down, I believe, or at some point I will hopefully be eating hummus and chasing some hot Israeli dude around Tel Aviv. But I am leaving for Israel tomorrow. I am trying to pack carry-on. I know how this is going to play out. There's going to be a half of you who are like, duh, obviously carry on. Like, what's the problem? And they're going to be the other half of who are like, how are you going to do that? You need choices. And here's my, my thinking. Cause it's sort of hits both sides. It's 180,000 degrees in Tel Aviv. And so, yes, the theory is you just bring like light little clothes, thin clothes. You can carry that on, except I'm going to have to wear like four different outfits a day. There's no, like, I'm not, I'm not even bringing workout clothes because there's no, there's no opportunity in this life of mine where I'm going to work out in a hundred percent humidity, like I'll die. So I'm not even doing that. Also, I just don't like another pair of uh, clothes and sneakers, but it's going to be 180 degrees, uh, with humidity basically. So you're going to have like four outfits, right? And then I'm going to have to get things washed at the hotel, which will cost a ton of money. And then, so I figure I need to bring all these outfits. And then I know you people with the packing cubes and you Brit Morgan Sachs in particular, I'm talking to you, you guys and your TikTokers with your packing cubes. So I, I was influenced. I bought the packing cubes, the ones in particular that I've seen on TikTok that like compress it. And it does an amazing thing. It compresses it and then it puts everything in the bag. But then I have no room in the bag for anything else because I can like shove my shoes in the midst of my clothes. Like I'm not precious that way, but now these like very sturdy yet compressed bags. Now I can't put my shoes, my toiletries. I had a stress dream last night that I got onto the plane and realized I left my toiletries. Like if I don't bring my toiletries, I might as well just return back to America. Like I will literally have a meltdown if I don't have my face wash, my specific things. Like I'm a hammerling. And if you're my nieces, like Haley and Heather, we are very specific. If we don't have the things that we need that we are very devoted to, it's full meltdown. It's like the trip is over before it even began. Like I can't get a certain type of face moisturizer in Tel Aviv that I get here only in Los Angeles. So I'm precious. I'm bougie. And I have decided that it takes a lot of effort to be effortless. It's, it's impossible. So the idea of just like whisking on the plane and carrying on takes a lot of work. It's much easier for me to just throw a bunch of shit in the bag and check the bag and bitch about having to wait for the bag or stress about the bag not being there, even when I have my air tag proving to me that the bag is in Tel Aviv or Los Angeles. It's just, this is the way my brain works. So from the minute I finish recording this to the moment I get on the plane in the next 12 hours, I, or 18 hours, I will be stressed out just so you guys know where my head is at. So by the time you're listening to this, I will hopefully be unstressed. I will be schwitzing. I will be also drinking something cold, eating something delicious and flirting with Israeli men. So that's the outcome. la da um, But we have a lot to talk about this week. Um, we are not a political podcast. This podcast is uh, a, a companion or started as a companion pod to the newsletter, Pop Culture Mondays. Pop Culture Mondays started in the Trump 
era when we all needed a little humor and escape and was famously famous because I'm saying it was uh, made from the very first issue, edition, post, whatever you want to call it, Trump free. And I think I've talked about it before. I remember in one particular newsletter, I had to cover Trump stuff. It just crossed over to a pop culture moment that I couldn't reference. I couldn't not reference him. And I got so much feedback from people being like, no, no more Trump. Stick with it. Stick with being Trump free. The podcast, as I've also mentioned, is slightly different. We stroll away occasionally from the newsletter format and theme and topics. But obviously the, the news around the world last night and it was late. So if you were on the East coast, it was like, I think 10 o'clock when we first heard that indictments dropped. And then like 11 o'clock when we got the details that those included Giuliani and Mark Meadows and that crazy Sydney Powell woman who is like, reminded me of all of the teachers I hated growing up in middle school and high school, all wrapped up into one sort of entity is that Sydney Powell. She looks like she taught um, pre-algebra in, or algebra to uh, whatever algebra it was that I could not do because my dyslexic brain couldn't do it. And the math teacher who humiliated me, but all math teachers humiliated me. And that's Sydney Powell. She's a math teacher as far as I'm concerned with right wing conspiracy theories. So it's the indictments heard around the world. I think there's a growing fatigue. We're like, Oh, another day, another indictment. But this one seems slightly different. I've learned so much. It's like, forget about the poli sci classes I took in high school and college. Like if somebody were to ask me, me a couple months ago, is federal worse than state for Trump? I'd be like federal, obviously a federal crime versus a state crime. But no, it turns out state crimes worse because guess what? A president, assuming it would be a president who liked Trump or Trump himself, can't pardon somebody who's been convicted of a state crime. They can only pardon federal offenses. So, you know, this is definitely wild. Fawny, the the person, the district, is it a district attorney, prosecutor? I see how naive I am. She is no bullshit. And Georgia, as somebody who lived in Georgia and somebody who owned property in Georgia, they, that is, you're not going to mess with Georgia. Like you don't fuck with Georgia. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, it's like, they're going to come for you. They seek justice, long awaited justice, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. The AI creations of Donald Trump in an orange uh, jumpsuit have been genius. I mean, really well done. Very like chef's kiss to the creators on that one. But I do think there's a general fatigue, like nobody believes it's going anywhere. This doesn't stop his believers from believing as he pointed out, he could shoot somebody in the face in the middle of Fifth Avenue and not get arrested and almost, you know, he might get arrested, but he Certainly not going to lose any votes from it. Um, perhaps gain votes. This is a fucking sick world we live in. I'm sorry. It just is. It was just brought to my attention. Another example of this is that a a woman uh, who is the teacher of the year in Idaho, and teachers are hard to come by. Great teachers. We are getting teacher shortages. Schools should be and communities should be embracing them. They should be giving them all of the money and the funds and whatnot. But, you know, here we are, the teacher of the year, her name, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but Karen Loritzen, um, how to leave Idaho had to leave the state that she was from living in teaching at um, because she was a supporter of the LGBT, 
LGBTQ plus community as well as Black Lives Matter. She had been teaching there for 21 years. She was a fourth grade teacher. She had been announced as a teacher of the year. Right wing media just attacked her. And it, even the Idaho Tribune, according to this article, which we'll put in the show notes, says that Idaho Tribune went so far as to accuse her of being a left wing activist who promotes transgenderism. And it's purely apparently that she liked posts on her social media accounts. She didn't teach these to the children. So it's not part of the curriculum. This is her personal life liking something and to, to the dismay of the ultra right wing conspiracy theorists um, and media. So there you have it. This is the world we're in. It's not getting more condensed. It's getting more divided and more extreme. And it's, it's shocking. And we're going to end up not having a school system. Like they're not enough teachers as it is. Teachers are going to be terrified to go to schools. Teachers are going to be terrified to have any sort of personal life. It's just, it's tremendously sad what's happening and people should be ashamed. It's like Trump says it's a, uh, the witch hunt. Like he's the one that created the witch hunt mentality. This is where we're at. It's a full on witch hunts. And, and by the way, I mean, let's be honest, not everybody, it's not just the right who does this. So I need to clarify the left has done their own witch hunts as well. I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon on people that we've never heard accusations about before that all of a sudden come out unless there's absolute, un, you can't ignore the evidence, but like a Lizzo, people ask, why aren't you covering Lizzo? I don't want to cover Lizzo because everybody knows the Lizzo's news. There's nothing else that I talk about it. And really the point of pop culture is to bring stuff that you might not be aware of or a different perspective. And right now there's just not anything there, there. It's just gossip and um, lawsuits and whatnot. But I'm trying to navigate this world of just like right, left, TikTokers, everybody's just jumping on and it's just like the mob mentality, witch hunt, we are going to go after you. Now, Trump is taking that and trying to make himself a victim. There, Where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been smoke for 30 fucking years. I mean, if you don't listen to me on a regular basis, I have personal Trump experience. Um, my father was a very, very well-known, prominent corporate real estate attorney in New York. And Donald Trump, uh, as unfortunately in anybody in that world, certainly in the 70s and 80s, had to work with my dad or my dad had to work with him in some way. I knew early on that Trump was a scumbag. Trump didn't pay people. Trump skipped out on all invoices. It just was his MO. If you were in a relationship with Trump, you either were corrupt or you were doing it to get something else out of it, knowing you weren't going to get any money out of it. You have Giuliani, who is the DA of New York at that time. They go way back guys. You know, Giuliani, I know everybody's like, what happened to Giuliani? Giuliani was always a scumbag. It just happened that he became a scumbag New York needed at a very important moment in time that 9-11, we needed somebody who was going to show up and make people feel protected and safe and sort of like a gangster. And he had the awareness or a team that had the awareness of how to present himself in that moment. But he was a terrible man prior to this and a terrible man after this. We've seen all of the stuff come out. There's the lawsuit with a former assistant of his where it's all taped, where there's actual you know, you can hear him talking about how he owns her tits and all of this stuff. I mean, he's a disgusting man, but my dad's relationship with Trump uh, escalated to my dad uh, coming home one night, really broken, really heartbroken. And uh, my mom was, was dying of cancer at that, 
at that point. And my dad had to interact with Trump at some luncheon or something. Again, this was 1997. So I can't recall the details, but I do remember this. I do remember I was 22 years old and being told by my father that Trump slapped his back and said, oh, Bobby, I hear it's almost time for you to get a new younger model about, you know, your wife's about to die. Your wife of 35 years is going to die and it's time to get you a new younger version. So it's just disgusting. He has no moral compass. He is a disgusting human being. And all, I don't know, like all you have to do is imagine that man naked wearing clogs and you can't respect him. If you even like, that's what you do. You imagine that disgusting man naked, just do it. Everyone, I'm sorry to do this to you. Close your eyes. Imagine that man naked wearing Crocs. That's it. End of story. You're welcome. Move on that man. And he can, by the way, there's nowhere apparently in the constitution that says you can't be president if you're in prison which is mind blowing to me. But then again, you know, it was written at a time when people didn't think about such things. Nobody in that sort of position would ever be in jail. Just like we wouldn't have automatic weapons. You just have to fucking put a, a gunpowder into your thing. And it takes 10 seconds or 20 seconds to load up a gun. They did not write the constitution with the AR, whatever they are, the automatic weapons in mind. And they didn't write a con the constitution with a corrupt criminal in mind as president. But who knows? We might, wouldn't that just be fabulous if America gets a president who's, who's ruling from Rikers? I can't wait or whatever the Georgia equivalent is. So there we are. That's what's happening in other news, obviously Maui. And, um, I put in the newsletter and I'll, I'll include in the show notes, just some links to charities. And if, if mine aren't the ones that you want to donate to, but there are others, you know, there, there are lots of them available online. I tried to have like, um, a good sort of like, there's a food bank one, there's the world central kitchen one, there's a animal shelter one, lots and lots of animals have died. Um, but those are also left homeless people had to leave. Um, animals that survived might not have been reunited with their owners. It's all around. There's lots of ways you can help. There's lots of independent GoFundMes, which can be taxing, I know. But if there's somebody you know, or there's a personal connection and helping one family is just as great as, as giving to a, a shelter or a food bank. But there's lots we can do. It's a really breathtakingly sad time. I don't understand how in the, we've had the internet for a while now, kids, we've had it. It's, it's been here. This is not a new topic. This is not a new little toy that we just sort of come across yet. People still don't seem to understand how the internet works or how they don't have self-awareness. So a lot of these celebrities who have put out statements, I think Stevie Nicks was one with maybe the best intentions, but when you make it about you or how your life has been troubled as a result of a tragedy that didn't necessarily affect you in a dramatic or terrible way, then you better just not say it. So I think Stevie Nicks posted something about trying to explain how terrible it was that happened to her, but that her family members were on a much needed vacation, did not get one as a result of these fires and the struggle. And I understand it's nuance, right? If you want to make it like you want to tell a personal story so you can show the impact, like I just did with Trump, right? But it's not, 
I'm not doing it at the expense of others. And so if you're telling a story about your love of Maui, then you do it. But like with saying, I I have a personal experience. I got married there. I have my own home there. And you don't then keep going and saying our lives were inconvenienced and my family needed a much needed vacation and didn't get it. You just don't like, just stop at we're such a big part of the community of Maui. We're here. We want to raise awareness. Like this town is ruined. Like this is what we can do to rally together instead of taking it to the next step about boo-hoo, my vacation or my family's vacation was ruined. Oh, I'm so sad about Lahaina being burnt down. Me and my family always stay in Lahaina on French Street whenever we're vacationing on Maui. My vacation was cut short because of these fires. It's so unfortunate. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. People lost their homes, family members, freaking livelihoods. People were jumping into the water to not burn. At least 200 buildings burned down. And of those people who are missing, 36 are confirmed dead. I don't give a shit about your vacation. You know, it's not going to land well. And I know there are a lot of you listening and just, it's another thing when people, like everybody posted their photos of them in front of the old banyan tree and were like, they'd been to Maui for a holiday and been like, oh, the, the banyan tree is gone. When like people were jumping into the water at that moment in time to save their lives. Like just let's not make it about your spring break a year or 20 years ago or your honeymoon. Let's focus on the fact that this is an unbelievable tragedy. You also had Trump go on, make a statement uh, on camera about it, where he criticized the governor of Hawaii for uh, blaming climate change. He said he's something like he's just pulling things out of his ass or something like that. It's shocking. You know, so the best way to sort of deal with it in the moment, especially if you have a personal experience, share it, but sort of in context of how can we be here to help and how can we help this community? Do we take somebody in from Maui? Do we donate? Do we do something? So you had Jeff Bezos or funny memes going around. Jeff Bezos and his fiance have donated a hundred million. And there's some funny memes around where it's like, Jeff Bezos has given a hundred million to Maui. And then the fiance is like, me too. I did it too. I'm part of it too. Like it's not her hundred million, I guess, you know, whatever, but it's very funny how all of the media outlets have been instructed. It's Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez have given a hundred million dollars. It's like Lauren has moved right in there on that, but I tease. It's wonderful. I think anything that people with the means can do is wonderful. Oprah got some criticism. She was on Maui. I think she's a owner of a property on Maui and she was handing things out and working in a shelter and just bringing, you know, I think people seeing Oprah, it's Oprah, but, um, she did have a CBS camera crew following her around and the camera crew was reportedly not allowed into the shelter to allow people to have some privacy and dignity, which I think also like goes without saying, maybe don't drag your camera crew around in the moment of people's worst and lowest moments. This is not an opportunity to highlight that. Like we know we don't need to get people when they don't have, they're exhausted. They are traumatized. They have maybe lost people. They've lost their homes. They've lost pets. They've lost loved ones. They ran from their, for their lives. They probably have burning smoke feeling in their lungs. Like this is not the time to have a camera in front of them and being like, how are you feeling? Oprah's here. So it's just this self-awareness and there's a bunch of TikTokers, you know, again, I'm not going to shame individuals who are there on holiday. There are some celebrities who probably were there, have homes, but like 
just be aware that having you frolic in the beach, even if you're an hour away from the devastation, is going to be taken, maybe it's out of context, but you know, you can't leave, you're stuck, you're in your house, of course you're going to go swimming, but maybe do it when you don't think as much as you can avoid the paparazzi or put out a statement explaining what you're doing or what you're giving back to the community. You live in Hawaii, you have a home there. You're, you know, you're not abandoning because of that. I don't know. I I could go on. There's so many different twists and turns and it seems like nothing you can do is right, but it's pretty, it's pretty standard operating procedure to just not make the tragedy about you not talk about how it inconvenienced you. If you lost somebody or have devastation, then, you know, absolutely share that. But if it's just like, I, we couldn't have a holiday because of these fires, how dare you? Hawaii <laughs> doesn't really work. And in this day and age with the internet, with TikTok and Instagram and all the cameras, Um, you're going to be photographed and you're going to be shamed and you're going to be called out. And then you have the mobs on you because that's where we are. You can't scroll through TikTok now without having the mob on something. And some of it is righteous. Some of it is like, who is this person? This person has had a racist meltdown on innocent people and the internet responds. But when it's because your opinion is impacted, like a teacher is run out of town for liking posts that you disagree with is just, we've, we've just, I don't know where we go from here. Like, I don't know how we come back from this. I mean, is it a two state, like where one, one party is one country and another party is another country. I, it just, the impossible seems possible now. That's all I'm saying. It's wild. And pop culture is driving a lot of it. Let's be clear. It's not new. I mean, it's that pop culture has always been sort of at the forefront of cultural moments, but with the dawn of, of these viral platforms that allow people to, you know, what once might've been just a local story become an international one based on bad behavior where it's, this is the new normal and people need to be aware and things taken out of context or you are a well-known figure, whether you, you know, whether that's fair or not, you just play, you have a different set of rules do. You gotta, you gotta think about it, but even the regulars. So there is a young woman, I'm not going to name her, but she did an ill-advised interview when her flight was delayed or canceled or whatnot, as she was trying to make her way to Hawaii for her birthday party. And she came from an area that has had fires, I believe in like the, in, in whatever part of America that she was like, we have fires. I mean, it's sad what's happened to Maui, but our fires are way worse. Meanwhile, no, the Maui fire is the largest death toll at least in the 21st century, but I think maybe the 20th century of a fire. I know we've had, you know, lots of back, back in the day and maybe the 1900s, but early 1900s, the early, as, as the kids say, you're like, Brooke, you were born in the 1900s. I was like, what? No. Oh yeah. (laughs) I was late 1900s, as they will say in the history books, Brooke Hamling was born in the late 20th century, mid 20th century. Anyway, this woman then proceeds to get to Hawaii and despite the backlash of her interview, proceed to post a ton of social media content about her and her friends, you know, partying in Hawaii and complaining that things are closed and things like that. And you're just like, where does this come from? You were tech savvy. You were like in this generation of 
being raised with technology from an early age, but it's people are, I guess, just when it's about them, they lose their minds. So that's where we're at. The big trend this week on, uh, outside of everything I've talked about something fun. I mean, maybe a little sinister, the ones I should say this, I'm talking about rush week, specifically rush week in Alabama, but it is rush week in college campuses around the country. And Rush, for those of you who might not be familiar, is when men and women rush a sorority, a fraternity or a sorority. And I went to a small liberal arts school that did have fraternities and sororities, which didn't really make sense because it was such a small school, but it's really, really great in big schools. When you come in, you don't know people, it's a great way to learn, whatnot. There are stereotypes of sororities and fraternities, um, you know, like the, the Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh was like a classic frat boy, right? Drinking kegs of beer and doing keg stands and raping women. Yeah. Classic frat boy behavior. But there are actually some wonderful people. There are some wonderful fraternities and sororities. I mean, truly there are. And there are black fraternities and sororities and there are Jewish fraternities and sororities. And there are, you know, I guess you should say white fraternities and sororities. Now, I believe that in all of those, you can have, you can't say you're only white or you're only Jewish or only black, but it's, you know, it's sort of, you want to be with your community, I suppose. But Alabama has been for a number of years now, the leader of TikTok content of Rush Week. And it's a rush talk, as they say. Uh, There is a documentary about Alabama Rush. It is another level. There are professional rush consultants. They come in and they, the parents pay for these kids who are incoming to freshman class on what to do to get your chosen sorority. Cause say you have 3000 kids trying to get into a um, place that's only taking half of them. Right. So it's competitive. That's why you see these videos, especially out of Alabama and everybody looks the same. They're all like beautiful blonde girls that are 18. That could be literally 38. It's bananas to me. Inexplicably, they are all, it's like they all wrote a memo and we're like, we're all going to wear Lululemon skirts. We're all going to wear these bodysuits from this store that we all know now in uh, the camp, where the campus is. They all wear, my friend wrote me from after the newsletter. She's like, thank you for explaining why my 15 year old daughter knows what David Yerman is. and is now asking me for David Yerman jewelry. David Yerman is very high end, not my style, not my style, though I'll never forget my sister-in-law, Stacy, many years ago, she had a lot of David Yerman and it's like beautiful, like jewelry, again, not my style, but a very certain type. And it's, it's sterling silver. I mean, it's all different materials, but hers were these beautiful sterling silver bracelets with like, um, sapphires and, uh, other stones on the ends of them. And a boyfriend of mine at the time from Georgia, incidentally, was like, oh my God, I love your bracelets. Are those pewter? And she never got over it. Like she still, this is like 20 years ago. She still talks about it. Remember when he told me, when he asked if my bracelets were pewter? And to this day, to this day, it scarred her. But you have the University of Alabama kids talking and they do the get ready with me's, which are GRWMs, hashtag GRWMs, or hashtag OOTDs, outfits of the day. So the difference in these 
video series are outfits of the day is purely just the generally girls, but not always. But in this case, the sorority girls getting up in front of the camera and talking to their audience about what they're wearing. Hey guys, Bam Arash, day two, OTD, today is philanthropy. My shirt is UA Panhellenic. My skirt is Pantsor. My shoes are Alexander McQueen. My jewelry is David Yerman, Dior, David Yerman, David Yerman, David Yerman, David Yerman, Michelle, E. Newton, my necklace is David Yerman, and my earrings are E. Newton. The high-low on that is drastic. You have, you know, a $2,000 necklace with $10 earrings. You have a, you know, $250 outfit, not including the shoes, and then like a $18 pair of sunglasses. It's, you know, credit to them. And then, so those are the outfits of the day. Like this is my, my beyond yoga and my golden goose vintage, which means $600. Like it goes on who, and there's all these TikToks about what do these kids' parents do? Like how, wh- where is all this money coming from for these 17 and 18 year olds? And then a get ready with me is for the ones who you just have a little bit more time on your hands and you get to watch. There's this one sorority girl where she like basically has the camera on. She gets like my start my day. Good morning, you guys. It's the first day of work week at the University of Alabama. I'm so tired. It's literally 6 a.m. But I need to get up and get ready because we have to check in at 8 a.m. So let's do it. First thing I always do is make my bed. My bed is made. It looks super cute. Today's theme is girls just want to go theta. So I picked out everything that I wanted to wear. So let's go ahead and put it on. Here's my outfit on. I'm going to go ahead and put on my all my accessories. I'm going to go ahead and get started on skincare because it's 6.30 and I need to get it going. I'm all done with skincare, so I'm going to move on to my makeup. I went ahead and put the headband on, so this is what we're looking like, but I'm going to go ahead and do my lips now. These are the shoes I'm going to wear. I got them from Forever 21 when I went shopping the other day. I think they're really cute. I put my shoes on. This is what they look like. I'm going to change out my hoops because I found these cute little pink neon ones, and I feel like it would go with the outfit more. Here is my outfit. I'm all ready. I'm going to go make sure that I get breakfast, though, but I'm really excited for this work week. It's going to be fun. My lovely breakfast is going to be Gatorade and this little protein bar. Here's my outfit, and we're going to go ahead and go check in, but I'll see you guys later. Bye, guys. You've seen celebrities do this, which and they do it quite well, but it's amazing to me that so many people are tuning into an 18-year-old or 19-year-old and that the amount of... I mean, these kids should be like winning awards at some point down the road because it is not easy to edit that. You film it, you edit it, you add it, splice it. You are doing all of these tricks to it. You're editing it. You're doing it all and posting it and getting to your class on time or to your rush event on time. It's These kids are going to be the next Scorsese's. I mean, I hope so. I hope they don't just, you know go into oblivion because they're freaking geniuses. I can barely make like a TikTok just the regular way. And I'm pretty tech savvy. These kids are just, they were born with basically phones. They have been doing this their whole lives. They are creators. They are born creators. They want to be famous. They want to have this connection to an audience. They live transparently. It's wild, wild. Um, And I hope they all go do good things. But the point of the matter is that the rush talk, certainly the ones that come out quite popularly, that gets quite a lot of views, are generally mainly white and mainly a certain type of sorority. And they do the dances and they do bigger and better this year than they were last year. And the outfits are crazier this year than last year. And there are more kids, that girls that are sort of over the top in their decorations than last year. That is not to say 
that there aren't other sororities and fraternities, or let's just keep it to sororities. There are, they just have chosen not to make social media their focus. So I think that's something we need to remember is that there are a lot of diversity in sororities. And I, I'm not going to say that it's a perfect system. I have, you know, I'm sure there's, there's hazing and there's all of this, but there is diversity. They've just chosen it's, I don't even think it's a success thing. I don't think that they're like, Oh, we can't, we're not getting as popular. I think they've just chosen a different, a different strategy than focusing their, their class, their, their members to be social media stars and to put all this effort into appearance and dances and becoming viral on TikTok. They just have a different strategy, a different approach, if you will. So that's just what we're seeing, but there are a lot of other sororities out there. So just remember that, hold on to that. But Alabama, once again, ruling the pop culture news. We had the Battle of Montgomery last week. We now have the Battle of Rush sorority members this week. There are a few girls that you can tell are maybe not, they're going to have a harder time and they're putting themselves out there, but they're not, they don't meet the sort of standards that you're seeing. I'm hoping that they do get picked. We had last year a woman that was like the popular girl on TikTok for getting picked, pledged to a sorority and she didn't get picked and everybody was devastated. So we're going to have that next week, even though I'm not going to be here next week because I am going to be in Israel doing all the things I said, flirting with Israeli men, just FYI, putting that out there and eating and exploring and learning about my roots from my, my long history uh, as somebody who was not raised Jewish, but is culturally Jewish, learning about family members, learning the history so much. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to... I'm doing it all. So that's really it. There were some other sort of big moments. I'm sure if you read the newsletter, there was this whole thing about Lil Tay, this social media star that was viral a couple years ago that she, it was announced on her Instagram that she had died tragically. Her, it looked like it was a statement from her parents and it looked like also that the brother had died. It was all very mysterious. It didn't feel authentic right off the bat, but every news organization, which just shows like everyone, TMZ, Daily Mail, like it's news, air quotes, news, but page six, air quotes, news, all were like RIP Lil Tay, 14 year old tragically dies, details coming, da, 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 da. But it was a hoax, whether it was a hoax that was internal, like the family did it to get attention or she did it. Um, but Meta, the company behind Facebook, the company led by the Mark Zuckerberg AI robot, because we don't even know what's going on, what's real anymore between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon and this stupid fight, which I'll just actually touch on for a second. But anyway, Meta, the company behind Instagram, did confirm that they helped the family with a hack. And that meant that somebody else had taken over the account and and done this. And pretty sick to make an announcement of a 14-year-old girl being dead. Like, imagine the trauma. Apparently, the family was getting horrified calls from family members all around the world. Pretty, pretty, pretty dark. And then, and I guess I'll just end because I'm in tech and I, it's not even, it's not even funny anymore. Like at first you're just like, what the fuck? And is this Elon AKA space Karen fight uh, with Mark Zuckerberg? And the latest that we've had was that Elon then said, um, let's do a practice round at your house and I'm going to show up and did this whole sort of like basically saying to Mark Zuckerberg, he's going to show up at Mark's house and I'm going to sh show up there. Like I'm going to descend on you. And Mark's like, I'm not even there. Like, but the fact that this is even a conversation that we are privy to or part of like that, you know, at this point when Mark 
Zuckerberg then clarified on Instagram and threads his social platforms, where obviously Elon is using the company formerly known as Twitter as his social platform to take it to. Mark was like, look, let's be real. Let's be realistic. We know Elon is fucking around. This isn't serious. He asked to do a fight. I said when, let's do it. And he's now not serious and making this up. And I responded to Zuck like, why are you even engaging in this? Why are we even here? If this is really for charity, just write a fucking check. Like it's, this is... This is a horrible lesson to be teaching to children. This is a horrible lesson for the world right now. Anyway, the latest was that Zuck had said that, like, I'm not, this isn't serious. You know, if he wants to train and get serious, then he knows where to find me. So Elon, as an hour ago, says, I'm recording this on Tuesday. I joked on X about fighting Zuck. Okay. So that's a joke now. Now he, as, as Casey Newton, who writes this incredible newsletter called The Platformer, which everybody should subscribe to, he's covering this really intensely and probably better than anyone else in journalism. The sort of the, the, like, what the fuck of Elon and also calling media out to say, stop it. Like, cause media all of a sudden started writing stories. Elon has to get surgery before the fight. Like nothing coming out of this man's mouth is true. He is Trump. He's just lying and lying and lying. And so fight recap, I joked on X and actually factually incorrect because when he joked about it, the initial thing, it was on fucking Twitter. So right there, it, you call it X now, but when you stated this, we were still living in a world of Twitter. So I joked on X about fighting Zuck. Zuck then said, send me location. Italy graciously offered a Colosseum, which is, I don't believe is true, but he alluded to the fact that it was the Roman Colosseum, which is an absurd thing as a historical landmark and one that's quite protected, that he made an allusion to that, which Mark has also contested. He then says, Zuck declined. I suggested his home as safe space. Tragically, he was ahem, traveling. This is quote, I'm not, he added the ahem, aha, whatever. Is there any way he will fight? And then he tweeted a, of course, Daily Mail story. I mean, the, the level of, I just, I want to go back to the good old days when Bill Gates was, you know, was, was monopolizing us and controlling our sort of operating systems. Like, take me back there. Take me back to those days. Take me back to like when the real leaders of tech were like, they were fun. They were fucking dark and twisted too, but they were fun and they kept their business tight. Like nobody knew what was going on in the personal lives of these titans of industry. I don't want this. We don't want this. This is not good. This is so ridiculous. So I wonder what's going to happen. I am so curious what Walter Isaacson's book is going to be like. I, has he been gaslit into like becoming a sycophant to Elon? Did he fall to the manipulation? Did he get sort of witchy, you know, like hearts and stars in his eyes, or is he going to like call it like he saw it? And that is, there is a lot of drug use. There's a lot of mental illness and there is a lot of crazy. So anyway, we'll end on that note. My make out and my Mary and my murder. God, why do I do it all the time? I can't get this straight again. Make out, Mary mute. It's my own thing and I fuck it up every week, every week. Okay, make out. I don't know if you guys saw in the news. I'm also just tragically upset about this because I loved the blind side so much. I loved it. 
I loved the book. I love Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis is an incredible journalist. He wrote uh, Moneyball, which is obviously about the great Billy Bean in the Oakland A's. So I love The Blind Side. I love The Blind Side so much as a book. And I loved the movie. The movie was just one of those movies, The Blind Side starring Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw. And it was just one of those feel good movies. And, you know, it's on, even if it's on basic cable on an airplane, three quarters of the way through, I will watch that movie. You get tears, you get, you know, you just feel really, really great. And at the end of the movie, you have the real characters, Michael Orr, who we fell in love with, who is this kid from this, you know, tragic background and, and, Yes, there is the great white savior. I understand that. And that's always been the criticism of it. But it was sort of what happened, which is, you know, and who knows how much of it was embellished or whatnot. But it was an already very wealthy family with roots in the South and football that saw that this kid was struggling and had promise and they brought him in. And um, they seemed to be really, really close. Like he became a part of the family. He got siblings. He referred to the kids um, of the Tui family as his brother and sister and mom and dad. And it showed at the end of the movie, you saw them together as as the real life people and you saw them hugging each other and at his graduation and his, his Nick getting his, um, you know, at the NFL draft and all of that. Well, things have erupted and we were knocked out this week by a story that he's suing them saying that he didn't get any money from the book or the movie that he actually wasn't adopted. It was set up as a conservatorship. So they would profit off of him. The family is contesting this. Now the family is quite wealthy. I mean, the guy had sold his business for over $200 million. Like they were already wealthy and, but you have the sun went out and I don't listen to Barstool. I try not to and that whole thing, but the son, the two son who was the younger brother. He came out and said, I'll always love Michael. His family were devastated over this new development. Who knows what's going to happen? We all hope for encouragement on that. But I just want to, I don't, I'm going to change it from a makeout to a makeup. I want everybody to make up. I want the Tui family and Michael Orr to make up. I want the fairy tale to be true. I just want that. So I am canceling my make out to a make up and as in a, let's all be friends. Let's put this family back together again. Let's really be united because we need that. We need that. We need a good story. So that's boring. I'm not going to make out with anybody in that story. I want them to, I just want to come and kumbaya them and be like, come on guys, let's get together. I'm going to marry Someone in Israel, maybe. <laughs> I will marry all of Israel. I am, uh, I, it's so funny. I cannot tell you. People are like, can you bring a hot Israeli guy back? And I'm like, just one? No, I, I joke. I am going to, I am going to marry Israel. I know that it's going to be an incredible time. It's a crazy time to go. But as my Israeli friends say, it's always a crazy time to go. I have been inundating myself with books from the history of Israel, which I didn't. I like, there are certain things I did not know, um, but we don't need to get into it. But the history of Israel, sort of the creation of Israel, the fact that for many, many, many years, the Palestinians and, and Israelis and other cultures all lived together happily there. It wasn't until things got politicized as it always does. But um, I'm also... Thank you to Cece listening to this book called Exodus, which is a novel, but is really interesting and giving me a lot of history. So I'm going to marry my time in Israel and I'm very much excited about it. So 
I will keep you posted in my socials on all that's going on. And then I'm going to mute. I mean, it's so boring, but there's so many. Like, can I multi-mute? I'm going to multi-mute Space Karen, multi-mute Mark Zuckerberg, multi-mute Donald Trump, multi-mute Rudy Giuliani, multi-mute Fox people who are crazy, multi-mute the right-wing conservatives, ultra-crazy conspiracy theorists. Mute, 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 mute. Like, my mute finger is just getting real tired, but that's it. I want to mute it all. Mute, mute, mute. You're not coming into my brainwaves while I'm in Israel. So that's it, my lovelies. I hope you have a lovely week and I'll see you on the other side. Pop culture.